In the name of one holy and loving triune God. Amen. When we read this gospel at staff meeting, as we usually do, earlier this week, my first thought was, my goodness, Jesus would have made a great kindergarten teacher. (laughs) And whether that causes your mind to go to one of the many songs that we teach five-year-olds about kindness and sharing, or whether you think about Robert Fulgham's classic book, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten, I think you probably get what I mean by Jesus as a kindergarten teacher. Now, the kindergarten-level lesson in today's gospel can be wrapped up in three phrases. Be kind. Offer the best seat to someone else. Be generous. Give gifts for the joy of giving, not for the hope of getting something in return. And be welcoming. Seek out the people who have been excluded and invite them in. Sure, we could be more academic about today's gospel. We could dive into the social norms of Jesus' time, the countercultural suggestion of asking a person of prestige to sit in the servant's place or asking a servant to take the place of honor. We could unpack the subversive nature of Jesus, always pushing up against suppressive social norms. We could investigate the culture of the Pharisees who were hosting Jesus and who have such a complex relationship with him throughout the Gospel of Luke. We could even get all anthropological in our study of what the table and chairs might have looked like. But essentially, Jesus is just saying, be kind, be generous, be welcoming. We speak of these lessons, or today I'm speaking of these lessons, as kindergarten lessons because they're so basic. And because children do have the capacity to begin to learn to walk the road from self-interest to altruism. But as old as we get, we never quite arrive at that destination all the way, do we? Now, during my time in Concord, I've learned that there are some places where the road from self-interest to altruism is quite hard to walk or drive, like, say, the Concord Rotary. I'm usually a pretty calm driver, but the other day I became very frustrated at someone in the Concord Rotary. We don't need to go into details about what was happening there, but... You know what it's like in that circle of survival, right? I yelled and I honked as I swerved out of the rotary and onto 2A. And then I immediately froze. All by myself in that car, I actually turned red with shame. I felt for the collar. Phew, I wasn't wearing it. I had not disgraced the church. I replayed the other driver's angry face in my mind, hopefully not someone who recognized me. I took a deep breath, and only then was I able to move to the place where Jesus is inviting us today. My regret shifted from my own pride to remorse about my treatment of another driver. I had flung anger her way, told her to get out of the way. And I had no idea how much of my anger stuck to her. I had no idea what else she was navigating in life. 
Now, I do know that we all lose it sometimes. What happens in the Concord Rotary is relatively minor in the grand scheme of things, and yet it matters. It matters whether we walk or drive through life, either putting ourselves first or offering space to others. It matters that I treat all drivers as if they might be one of you, not to protect my reputation, but out of respect for them. It matters when kindness and generosity show up in us, and it matters when they don't. And yet, it's never as easy as the posters in those kindergarten classrooms make it seem, is it? Sometimes it's quite difficult. When we were in Lowell last month, another person in our group and I were cleaning the sacristy of St. Anne's Church, safely locked in that big stone building in the city. And we spoke about how it was that we might be able to go about being in mutual, caring relationship with the people who were outside that building. Adults, teens, and children were camping out around the churchyard of St. Anne's. In a previous year, I had seen a mother bathing her toddler at 9 o'clock at night in one of the city fountains around the corner. A few unhoused people were cleaning up the churchyard when we had arrived, getting rid of the trash, the feces, and the needles that they found around the church and along the adjacent canal. They told me that homelessness was on the rise since we had last been there in 2016 on pilgrimage, and some of the resulting debris of such homelessness was getting hard for the homeless community to deal with. Now, most of us here in this space right now live a world away from that kind of survival. And yet, we feel Christ calling us into community with all people, particularly those who have nothing beyond themselves to offer in return. The conundrum that we spoke of while cleaning the sacristy that day was this. If we truly enter relationship with the people who live on the street, as Jesus is asking us to. We will no longer be able to stomach their homelessness, their hunger, or the way that they are treated. We will no longer be able to justify the way that we spend money. We'll no longer be at peace with having empty guest bedrooms while others are being harassed by local law enforcement for sleeping on park benches and in churchyards. This is hard. We have a long way to go. We began this lesson in kindergarten. As a people, we began this lesson in the Garden of Eden, wanting more than we were told we could have. In the crossing of the wilderness, complaining about the lack of variety and the manna from heaven. In the building up of Jerusalem, getting territorial over God's creation. In the years of Jesus' life, struggling to understand the radical love that he preached. Our scripture week after week, subtly or not so subtly, pushes us out of self-interest and into the basics. Be kind. Be generous. Be welcoming. The letter to the Hebrews, the part of it that we heard Libby read a little while ago, implores us into the kind of full empathy that is required. Paul wrote... 
Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them. Those who were being tortured as though you yourself were being tortured. How do we find the strength to empathize that deeply? And how, we might ask, can these words possibly be 2,000 years old? We could easily write them today. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect the people sleeping in the churchyards of Lowell. Ask them what you can do to help, for by doing so, some have entered into relationship with angels. Remember those torn from their families as if your children were torn from your arms. Those who are in cages as if you were in a cage with them. Those who have lost loved ones to gun violence as if you too know the anguish of that kind of pain in your home. Remember those on the highways and byways and rotaries of life as if the other travelers were your family members. Be kind, be generous, be radically, inclusively, empathetically welcoming. Theologian Richard Rohr says he thinks that we as the body of Christ and as society are starting to hear these repeated lessons and we are finally growing up. That's the words he uses. He has said that he thinks Christianity thus far has been like, like kindergartners at the early stage of our development. But now our faith is becoming more mature, more open to the vastness of divine mystery, and more open to one another's humanity, more open to sacred friendship, friendship that crosses the borders of our immature making. I hope so. I hope that's where we are. I hope we are growing up. I pray that we are evolving. Because it is time. It is time for us to pack our bags with empathy, patience, and love. It is time for us to unpack our habits of dehumanizing, neglecting, and justifying. It is time for us to step up to the next level, whatever that might mean. It is time to let mutual love grow deeper roots. It is time to entertain angels in kindness, in generosity, as the welcoming people of God. Amen.